Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly. Sometimes. I talk very loudly. I don't know if you guys mutter. Well, objectively louder than the two of us. Well, that's because I'm an actor. I'm classically trained. <laughs> <laughs> Did you go to Drysdale Ladder? Shatner? <laughs> <laughs> he, I don't know, like, in a shouting competition between all of the main... Oh, that's a good question. In a shouting match between all of the main actors, who do you think would win? Shatner. Shatner has, like, definitely the barrel chest. I think Shatner would win because the extra emphasis of his hands would just add that extra something and would, like, trick whoever was in thinking he was louder. It's true. This episode, above all other episodes, because of that really stupid um, table in the medical bay, the one where you stand up... And kind of get strapped in, and then they throw you down. Out. Um, his chest is just huge. <laughs> I ha- I wrote down in my notes in that scene what is happening to Shatner's rib cage. Right, because like bits of his ribs were like sticking out. Right, I, I think it's probably the corset. Uh, even so, like his ribs should not be that big. No, but it, it messes Maybe up your it's posture. The, it's the TB. <laughs> Maybe, but I could see like individualized like rib cage cages. Yeah, that was bananas. It was huge. Huge. Uh I'm Kareen. Um Kim's over there. Hello. Ari's over there. Hello. We are here to talk about season three, episode eleven, Wink of an Eye, or as I'm going to call it, Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> You've been just waiting fecund. for the chance to put a Fast and Furious subtitle in, haven't you? Uh, well, I just finished watching uh, The Witch Hunter, which I cannot decide whether I enjoyed more or less than this episode. So <laughs> Diesel on the brain. I, I want to now call the... There's an episode of Voyager called Blink of the Eye. I'm, yes. re- I'm renaming that Fast and Furious Voyager Drift. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Yes, the Fast and Furious franchise definitely lacks spaceships, although heaven knows what's happening <laughs> with still time. Like, it's the natural evolution oh of the Fast franchise. I would definitely watch Too Fast, Too Furious, Too Space. <laughs> Justin Lin has already done his Star Trek movie. Yes, like, yes. you could seamlessly fit Vin Diesel into time it. travel? He has already been to space. The next Star Trek movie could be, like, one of the go-back-in-time-to-the-contemporary-present sort of tropes. That would be amazing. Oh, speaking of, are they making another Star Trek movie? Uh, I don't think so. I haven't heard... Uh, I don't know. I haven't I heard anything concrete. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We need to talk about Chris Pine's hair. Oh my god, what the hell is it doing? It's, it's, got, it's like a separate entity. It's it enormous. Oh. You're talking about the singing video, I right? I, of course, am saying <laughs> talking about the singing video. I gasped. Audibly gasped. I'm hoping it's for a role. What role could that be? I think it's probably just the role of he hasn't been in anything in a while, so no one's made him cut his hair. He's been in stuff, we just haven't watched it. He's so, usually so dapper. Well, he looks like, I thought I loved his lionine look at the Golden Globes. I was like, okay, like, the salt and pepper beard is fine. Passable. That's yeah. fine. He's like our age, but I'm like, okay, whatever. I know a couple of guys with salt and pepper beards at our age, so whatever. It works, right? Yeah. But that hair is a national tragedy. It's like Chris Pine's hair and Chris Pine's career like mm. both need serious help. His hair is the Titanic of our generation. It is. For sure. So this episode... <laughs> 
has nothing in common with Chris Pine's hair? Basically nothing. Maybe Chris Pine's hair is going so fast that we can't see it anymore. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, reaching. Reaching. I'm trying. I'm really, really trying. And then also trying to do a link into the Witch Hunter movie. <laughs> I'll get there. I'm definitely going to make some comparisons between the two things. Although no Finnish man did light uh, a bar on fire. Like, things do catch on fire in this Like, there's phaser action. Yeah, but... None of it's really fire. Nobody... Think about it. No, but I don't think anybody actually hits anything with a phaser. It's all deflected with, um, force fields. No, when they finally destroy the cooling... Okay, get this. (laughs) (laughs) To sum up this episode, (laughs) some aliens need some sperm, so they're gonna keep it on ice until they need it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is possibly the greatest thing I've ever seen. Um, also, uh, Kirk for sure gets laid in this episode. For sure. Uh, I cannot. 100%. Yeah. I could not believe that went past the censors. Yeah. Kirk had sex with that lady for his duty as a Starfleet officer. Yep. <laughs> That's the most explicit I think we've ever seen. It was shocking. <laughs> Shocking! Because usually you get like the fade to black and you're sort of left. No, we have had no fade to black. There was in, no fade in, to black. In this show, it's been mostly like neck fade to black, grabbing like, and like mouth action. And like rubbing usually, faces back and forth across oh, each But other. usually you don't see the after, you see the like the the makeouts and then the groping and then it sort of changes scenes and you're like, oh, well, I assume. But My argument has been that they he has never had sex. <laughs> <laughs> At least on the show. Like, I believe that he makes out with tongues and does some light frottage, if you will. But I don't think he has actually docked his enterprise. <laughs> oh, no, no, oh no, 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 no. Into any spaceports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even Pigo thinks that was terrible. <laughs> You're welcome, dog. <laughs> Speaking oh. of space horn dog, Kirk for sure has sex with this lady under, like, Dubious circumstances. Like, he's like, well, I guess I gotta fuck my way out of this. (laughs) He literally does. He fucks his way out of a situation. He he doesn't distract her. Yeah, it's a long con. It's a way to freedom. (laughs) For everyone. For for this break. It's for the crew. Can you imagine his diary (laughs) entry? He actually lay back and thought of the Federation. Can you imagine going back, start date, whatever, whatever? So. Oh my gosh. It, it is crazy. And the thing is, usually, and I think Kim in, in this situation, and sometimes half of Ari, is like, no, Kirk, like, you shouldn't be flirting your way out. Like, this is no way for you to behave. In this situation, I think we can all agree they were consenting parties and down to pound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Oh my God. She was very explicit, like, what her plans were and how she intended to go about Yeah, She had, like, them. a five-step plan. She did. One. Number one. <laughs> Number one. Kiss him while it's really fast so he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Invisible Num- kisses. <laughs> Number two. Number two. Compliment him a lot and tell him he's pretty. <laughs> Number three. Explain why you need to bang him. <laughs> Number four. Um... Probably get undressed. Here's here's an number important. five. Capture that sperm. <laughs> oh, here's an important question. 
at least <clears throat> twice, and I didn't realize this until afterwards, but at least twice during this episode before he gets, like, sped up with the rest of them. Yeah. Um, when he hears the buzzing noises, he touches his mouth. Yes. Yeah. Of course I noticed that. So I she's noticed like, everything that he's doing. She's, like, speed, non-consensual making out with him. Does yes. it count if it's not really... Ha- uh, yeah. Well, see, here's my mm. other question, though, because we know how we've seen, like, when Kirk gets sped up, we see how fast that they're going and how slow everything happens around. How long was she standing there kissing him for him to be like, hmm, I wonder what A this while. long sensation of tingling on my lips is? Also, Kareem, <laughs> horrible scenario. <laughs> why stop at kissing? Like, why not just... Why not just milk the sperm? Oh! Because you could. I don't think it would be viable at that point. Yeah, it would. Uh, but no, no, no. I don't think she could get it. Get it while it's slow and use it while she's fast. Okay, here's here's the metaphor that I'm gonna use. No, I can't believe I just said that sentence. Tapping maple trees. Oh my god. Okay, no. So you get a special spigot and a bucket. No. Okay, because with maple syrup, and I can't believe I'm saying this, with maple syrup, there is a state chain. Yeah, and, but... and the maple syrup, after it has come out of the tree, can sit in the bucket without becoming uh, non-viable. Would the sperm be slow? Yes! It was... Yeah, it would be dead. That's why she How had to they... speed Kirk up. Yeah. <laughs> because, like... But, okay. <laughs> why are we having this conversation? No, I really want to get, like... Into this. Is it because their sperm is slow so it wouldn't be moving fast enough to reach the ovum? Well, I think that's part of it, but the real reason, and here's the actual reason. How do they actually speed people up? Here's the, I don't know. They don't don't know, remember? It's pollution. She says there is no scientific explanation. But here's why it wouldn't work. I just, I, because even if they managed to get the donation out of Kirk. Which I feel like would be really fast and easy. <laughs> but by the time they got enough out of it to be useful to speed the sample up, it would have been exposed to the environment for long enough to no longer be viable. Can't they just design something, like a tube that you could hook up to, like, an air-safe thing that would then, like, keep it viable? I like, think it's probably simpler to speed up the container and then take it from the container. <laughs> hmm. Because all that it takes for... They dose his coffee. Yep. Woo! This this is tricky. Um, But yeah, they dose his coffee, coffee, and then he speeds up. Yeah. But with Compton... By the way, what kind of name is Compton? Um, He's straight out of... (laughs) Thank you so much. He doesn't drink anything. Yes, he does. Oh, he does! Out of the weird box fountain. He goes to the box fountain... Takes samples. I was watching this in the background because okay, I noticed okay, it because okay. I thought it was weird. Does he like stick his tongue into it? No, he sticks his hand in there and then rinses his mouth off. Moron. He's that like, is... he took out of the water that he was just taking scientific samples to test out of. So he does not know what's in there. He deserves to die. I will go one further. Beams down to a planet where people are saying distress, distress. There's no one there. Yeah, which I would assume. Shit, something really bad happened here. Yes. I better not just eat or drink any slop that's coming out of a weirdly in fact, painted we probably should have come down in moon suits. They should always be coming down in moon yeah. suits. But another detail that I noticed, and I think I wrote it down, is after he does the hand thing with his water, he then touches his face again. Oh. Because Green Girl, who gets no poison lines, ivy. Yeah, poison ivy, yes, wanted to bang him. 
Okay, if it's that simple, couldn't they just sort of saunter up to anybody they wanted and just sort of, like, touch their mouth with contaminated water? Like, they wouldn't need, really need to dose anyone's coffee. I think you'd have to get them to ingest it. I don't know. Yeah, but if you this, put it on their mouth. This seems to have been working for them. Also, I had a really big, long thought to myself of, like, well, would they want ladies? Because... Lady, I have not given birth myself, but I'm given to understand that occasionally things could tear, and then you'd be, like, rapidly aged. So do they only want the men? Or, and I think that's why they kind of have a matriarchal society, because the women are more important than the men. Well, yeah, also, it, it seems, I mean, in humans anyway, the male reproductive system is a lot more fragile and subject to environmental stuff than the female reproductive system, so they probably have more infertile men than women. Well, that's what they said, is they said yeah. their men are oh. sterile. Yeah. The women can, sounds like the women can probably have, have babies, babies with, like, yeah. difficulty. Yeah, she said the, many of the women. But, but the men are yeah. sterile. That is unfortunate. Yeah. So this fortunately actually brings us very conveniently into the beginning of the episode, uh, yeah. and idiot red shirt, because the first thing I wrote here was, well, Scotty's in charge, this won't end well. The well, first, no. I was correct. Why it doesn't end well is because they answer a distress call. That's true also. They should just give a giant middle finger to the rest of the universe, because... Not one episode before they answered a distress call that ended up in Kirk's horse impression. Yeah. Like, surely they learned a lesson here. <clears throat> the first thing I noticed... Yes. ...was what the fuck is going on with the sound in this scene. And if you look, Scotty is not saying the words of the log. You can hear him talking in the background because this is reused footage. It is, because yeah. Chekhov doesn't actually appear in this episode. That is stock footage from and another episode. And there's apparently also a different lady sitting at Communications Nonahora. I something I have noticed in this season versus previous season is that Hora gets to talk a lot more, yeah. Yeah. a lot more. Mm -hmm. Yep, um, which I really appreciate. And she actually, like last episode, she had stuff to do, and in this episode, she also had some stuff to do. But some they didn't stuff. need to milk her, so she didn't become as important. <laughs> yeah, yet. But yeah, so obviously it's a distress call that is obviously a trap. Yeah, so obviously they beam down without mm. protective gear. This planet, however, is very pretty. It is a matte paint. It is a it is painting. An amazing matte yeah. painting. It is a painting that they are standing in front of. Apparently, also reused according to Memory Alpha. Yeah, it's Doesn't a segment. Me. It's at least the second time they've used it because it's the same as um, the planet where they all lived underground. Sure, one of them. I, yeah. Again, this was this is a very cheap episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, and they didn't even bother to clothe most of the ladies. <laughs> Hey! Mm. Or the gentleman from the shoulders up. I mean. Okay, well, we'll, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to that. that. Yeah. So, um, apparently this planet, as far as they knew, was uninhabited, but, oh look, there's this it's huge city It's got a giant city. I would just yeah. say it's uninhabited. And they're also getting a distress call, like right. a video distress call, which I really appreciate, like the but time down effort. Here, and there's no one on the planet. And Kirk, like a dickhead, is like, oh, hey, Uhura, can you double check that this is where we're supposed to be? And they're standing, like, in front of the exact And Uhura's like, thing. I'm looking right at it. Like, did no one think for even five seconds, maybe this distress call is a recording? On the other hand, no one had a VCR back then, so... Well, they do eventually go, oh, it must be on a loop or something. Here's the other thing that I really want to talk about, is that Bones pronounce Baron as Baron. This I, is a barren I, world. I did not notice. I laughed for years. <laughs> years and years. Maybe and he years. was just really concerned about their governmental structure. Yeah. Barons. Yeah. Um, they hear this weird mosquito noise, which would immediately uh, twig them to something is wrong, because mm. Pock's like, yeah, there's no insects here. <laughs> and yet all of them hear mosquitoes and are like, 
should we like I want to I want to be fair here because they actually clue in a lot faster than they usually do. Kirk cottons onto this almost immediately. Yeah. Okay, another thing I have here. What the fuck was up with Nimoy's delivery in this opening scene on the planet? I assume he was hella hungover. It was so stilted and... They were all very awkward. It was very stop, start, and pause. I, to be honest with me, this episode felt like it was directed by two different people because the first half was very stylized and there was all these, like, dramatic shots of, like, backlit and people, like, the uniforms were all very dramatically lit and then the second half was just, like, a regular Star Trek episode. Uh, strong disagree, but <laughs> I thought notice. that they were doing a lot of really interesting things with the camera. Like, I actually really liked the direction in this one. I noticed it enough that I was like, oh, like, good job. Yeah. Um, but I definitely agree there's something weird going on in the first scene. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I mean, there's sort of a general era of weirdness, which actually really works with what's going on. Well, no, everyone seems like they forgot how to act or they kind of got on set and were like, oh, do we have to say words shit 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 bear on (laughs) yeah i mean nimoy's delivery in this scene felt like he had never played spock before was i wouldn't because of like all the background stuff going on with like all the fights and the tension shall we say Mm -hmm. um between the cast i wonder if something had kind of happened there but i i I definitely noticed it okay good it wasn't just me very strange um we also need to address the very ugly fountain made of what i can only describe as boxes (laughs) Painted gold. Uh, among other colors. Yeah. I hated that fountain so much. <laughs> I did, I've never had such a visceral reaction to a fountain before. It was like, oh, you should burn this city to the ground. They are not worthy. Because they also have a stupid piece of art on top of it. Okay, my feelings about the fountain were not this strong. There is a stupid, like, humanoid <laughs> figure that's perching above it. And then it's going to go, like, spigots coming out of one box and spigots out of the other. And going down and just, like, ugh, ugh, ugh. Like, Fountain, okay. Like fountains in Italy with little nope. baby cherubs on top? Nope. And water it's a, coming It's out. a weird bronzy humanoid figure that's kind of like kneeling and or getting ready to do the 100 meter dash. I hated it. <laughs> <sighs> oh. Um, so. And basically they're sort of talking about how uh, this, this plan seems to be very advanced, but uh, where are all the goddamn people? They seem to have been here really recently, but they're all mysteriously gone. And speaking of mysteriously going, Compton, like, comps out. Yeah. But yeah, yeah in the he's background, gone. he's taking water samples, then he dips his hand in and like an washes his lips. Like, seriously, Like a man, moron. That is, that is terrible lab safety who hired you. Yeah, he deserved everything that happened to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, back on the ship, God, sorry. I know we talk about biohazard protocols and we kind of harp on it, but here's the thing. This is really basic. This is a bad one. So Bones is going everyone through everyone who's in the, the landing party to see if there's anything wrong with them, like yeah. one at a time. But Kirk is allowed to just willy-nilly swagger Wander through off. the entire ship, spreading whatever disease he has with him. Yeah, that was ridiculous. It was so stupid. Stupid. Yeah, what the fuck's the point of doing exams if you let people wander off and contagion and all over everyone the ship? else? Yeah. Strong agree. So there are malfunctions that are happening in different sectors that kind of then correct themselves. Mm-hmm. And Kirk wants to go over that message again because apparently he's never seen a VCR either. And I think this is the right time to address the tops of the gentlemen from this planet. The tops from the gentlemen of this planet are extremely wide boat necks that should like square boat necks. 
that very nicely show off their collarbones and necks and upper chests in a fashion that the Cardassians would have found very pleasing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I kept thinking with Cardassians and it's, their collarbones. It's like, that's what it kind of reminded me of was it was very wide neck down, like it was like low on the, on the top of the shoulders and you see a lot of like upper chest. But then they're wearing silver chokers. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about those chokers. Silver, just like a strip of silver fabric choker that has like a floral brooch on there that I realized later was their communicators. Yes, yes. On there. But yes. it has this bizarre effect on the outfit of making it look like the men. It makes them look a lot more naked than they actually yeah, are. Yeah, it makes the neckline look much wider. It looked like, it was like, I was like, oh my God, what are they not wearing? And so I realized <laughs> yeah. like, they're fully clothed except for like their clavicles. I could not figure out the construction. I was like, oh, is there some kind of weird beige bit over there? And then I was like, oh, no way. That's their skin. Yeah, that must have been you fashion like taped red to... boys. Yeah. I don't think we've ever seen, like, I mean, we're used to seeing female guest stars in yes. barely anything. And, yes. like, strips hanging up. But I don't think we've ever seen the male costumes with that much skin hanging out You know before. what? They should do no. this more on television just for fairness' sake. I would say no, because uh, I don't find collarbones particularly well, well, sexy. What do with women? Well, no, okay, I'm, I'm taking this back a little bit because we quite often, we occasionally see men in, like, short shorts. and yes, like we see a we lot see, of thigh. We see a lot of thigh, but that's a very muscular, powerful... Yeah, like, Olympic. But there's something... Yeah, exactly, Olympic. It's yes, manly. Yeah. Manly. There was, yeah, there was something very... Feminine. Feminine, yeah. And I felt vulnerable. like, um, tying back into the fact that I strongly believe that this is a matriarchal oh, society... Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. She's that, she's their queen. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll be my king. Um, <laughs> is that it's very feminizing. Yeah. It's it's almost like here's my decolletage. And the, and the weird choker again I feel like is symbolism of kind of being dominated by someone and a, a symbol that they're owned by the women in the society. So as a costume cue, really oh, yeah. interesting. Oh, yeah. It was great. Yeah. And I love how in their distress call it's the man who does all the talking and the women just kind of stand there decoratively. Um and then surprise! I kind of wonder if they have like a bunch of different distress calls and they sort of pick and choose like which one they're going to send out depending on what kind of ship is nearby. That's fair. I, I have in my notes, it's a note from the last survivors of a population of 900,000. There are five of us left and we are dressed here in shiny garbage bags. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you see how tragic we are? We are having a fashion emergency. <laughs> It's also weird because Kirk then slows it down and it does the weird... It's almost foreshadowing. Like, I... I, One could say it's actually foreshadowing. Well, I just didn't want to give them that credit. Like, they actually had planned that far ahead. But it is functionally foreshadowing. I thought that was pretty pretty cool. At this, there's a gorgeous duck face from Shatner. Like, all lips all the time. Mm -hmm. But I think that might be... I'm gonna stretch it acting from him (laughs) um that the invisible lady is coming to kiss him also sulu keeps wiping his he keeps touching his mouth here too she was was, like test driving which one she liked better yeah because like they don't they never come back it's never come back and address it but like he's like touching his lips a couple of does. i think i probably would have gone with sulu (laughs) for one thing we canonically know that he's fertile we do. Ew. Well, not yet, but later. Kirk also has a son. Yes. Yeah, but he does. But he, but Sulu actually knows about his kid its entire life. I was, I would argue that he's a better father figure than Shatner is, but yeah. or not Shatner himself, but <laughs> Kirk. 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 But I mean, we do know that Kirk can 
father children, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, they work out that it's like an automatic message playing on delay. Of course. And Kirk's it like, is. okay, but that doesn't explain what happened to Red Shirt down on the planet there. Yeah, not important. I do love that within a matter of minutes, because things keep shutting down and then mm-hmm. kind of writing itself, and he's like, son of a bitch, we brought something back from, with us from this planet. We need yep. to figure out what it is and get Thank it off our ship. And I was like, what? Captain Kirk. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. This is unheard of. Unheard of. And uh, Kirk's like, I want a full investigation, and Bones calls him down for his checkup. <laughs> Too Agreed, late, Pico. Too late. He's like, infected everyone. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. Uh, there's little little clues that I like. Like, Chapel's like, in the medical lot. supplies cabinet, someone just opened things up and took a peek. Yeah. But it just kind of looked right from through it. Up. Yeah. And then comes the weirdest exam chair that I have We've... ever seen. Yeah. I cannot understand for the life of me the function of having it that way. E- easy to tip someone off and kick them out of sick bay. I guess also because they have dealt with a lot of instances of people going crazy is that it's very easy to shove someone back and then restrain them rather than forcing them down. Yeah. All right. Fair enough, set designers. Okay. Fair. Um, the next thing we need to talk about in this scene yes. is what the hell is happening with Shatner's rib cage. It's prominent? Massive. Very. I sort of assumed it was like the corset making him like bow out his posture like that. His his actual ribs, it's not any like paunch. Yeah. No. His ribs themselves yeah. are huge. Well, he's like he's like pushing his rib cage up in a really weird yeah, way. It was like I thought it was see, like you could see his rib cage and like his stomach in between them was like yeah. lower than yeah. the ribs. Yeah. It was so weird. So weird. What a choice. It or was maybe really distracting. Or maybe yeah. he was like slipping off that table and trying to keep himself from hitting the floor. <laughs> All things are possible. <laughs> um my other one of my other favorite parts of this episode, because I do have a lot. What follows is one of my favorite interchanges between Kirk and Bones, where Kirk asks out loud, mm. Am I hallucinating? Yeah. Thank you. And he's like, something touch me. Am I imagining it? And Bones is like Nah. <laughs> well, but he, he says there's no physical cause for you to be hallucinating. How is that an actual medical opinion? Am I hallucinating? Well, there's no physical reason why you would be hallucinating things, so you might not be hallucinating. But I I felt something touch me. And I'm well, hearing no this reason. weird noise. I'm hearing a mosquito. Well, there's no reason for that, so I'm sure you aren't. Well, no, I thought that this was just like, this was confirming that he's not hallucinating, that he is hearing and feeling what he is hearing and feeling. Yeah, but there's no evidence of that either. Well, but there's no evidence of him hallucinating, so the rational explanation is that what he's experiencing is real. Hmm. I think it's like... And this is like where he leaps astonishingly to the correct conclusion that something beamed on board with them. I was he so does. proud. He does. Um, and it's shutting down like the danger and the intercom, and they're apparently the aliens are taking over life support. Oh yes, alien substances are being introduced, which I feel like more people should be alarmed about than are in sickbay. Life support feels really important. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's, it's a little important on a starship. Like life. So Kirk and Spock and two of the tiniest, weeest, petite security men <laughs> of all time. Try and go and see what's up with life support. The two security guys get zappity zapped, yep. and they're unable to go through. Through, but apparently the alien ladies have decided that Spock and Kirk are their most virile. At least if they're looking to breed their children for height, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, strong choice, ladies. And they go into life support, and there's like 
the <laughs> this is the same computer from the 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 Doctor Daystrom episode with some new tubes. <laughs> it's like it's like one tube. I saw this and when I, when we find out what it is, I was like, oh, they're installing an air conditioner. How kind. <laughs> Yeah, the tubing does kind of lead you to that. Uh, it's so the tubes awful. run to the outside to suck in the cold air. So great, so great. So whatever it is, it's like it's hooked into life support but not fully installed. Somehow they diagnose this in three seconds, and Spock tries to touch the machine and it, it shocks him. I really like this bit. I like this bit. They they try, try to touch the machine, it shocks them. Then they pull out their phasers to blow it up, and something flips their phasers right out of their hands, and then something shoves them back. Question. Yeah. If they phaser their life support systems, wouldn't their life support systems be done? No, they were just trying to destroy that machine, which was hooked into their life support. Hooked into their life support system. Yeah, that's a fair question. Not knowing how it hooks into their life support system. I have another question for you. If, if Spock and Kirk at this point are, to the perspective of the, the Scolosians, moving so slowly, how long do they have to wait around to, A... Wait for them to pull out their phasers and then yank them out of their hands because that must have taken hours. They and B, how long would it take for them to be able to shove them to exert enough force to shove them back? Like, was there an alien lady or man like standing there leaning on their chests for like? Well, no. All you'd have to do is wait for the right moment and then give them a push because the force still travels. It's like when he takes the piece of like yellow wood and shoves it into the computer it happens instantaneously it's just mm-hmm. like it goes poof and it happens yeah. so and they had two men guarding the life support add-on at all times that we saw when he becomes fast so there's two guys just standing there and they could just like at any time like yeah okay but like, they're just, they're just i just keep imagining them sort of waiting around it's like oh they got the phasers up yet nope two hours later how about now nope just waiting for like the moment of most dramatic effect. Sure. So, for reasons unknown to me... just to, yells to the empty room for them to show themselves. Yeah, which of course they don't. No. Um, Spock takes all the information that they have to the computer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I have to say, the computer is not helpful. No, I actually like this because the computer's like... They ask if they've been invaded, which they already definitely knew. Of course you are. And they ask the purpose of the invasion, or whether there's a connection between the invasion and Compton's disappearance. The computer says, not enough data, you annoying flesh sacks. How about you try asking them? (laughs) They ask what they should do next. The computer says, negotiate. And Kirk's is like, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, I know, like, that's... Not an option. Yeah. The way that Kirk just dismisses it completely. Yeah. Like, they literally, they don't know what's going on. Like, these aliens could just be installing a nice air conditioner for them as a gesture (laughs) of goodwill. And the computer's like, find out what's going on. And Kirk's like, no, never. (laughs) Why even ask the computer? You learned no new information. I guess if you just came back from a commercial break. (laughs) Just to make sure we, the audience... We're keeping up. That's true. So then Yeoman Coffee comes along, <laughs> flirtatiously giving coffee to everyone for a coffee By break. the way, and this really bothered me, open containers. Yeah. Also, the sexy music started for this. Yeah. For like, for like eight seconds, and then it was gone. It was very weird. He's like, who do I have to screw around here to get a cup of coffee? Oh. Well, like, they, I can't believe you're allowed an unsealed open-topped cup on the bridge of a star. Like, that... You're not even allowed uncovered beverages on the train. No. Well, we do see this popping up again and again and again. Uh, Picard has his cups of tea. Kira and um, 
Cisco have always got their mugs of Ractagino. Janeway has coffee. Yeah, but later on they have sealed consoles with no buttons or switchy things. Why not tumblers? Like, you know, like a nice we, travel mug. We yeah. know they have travel mugs in this universe. I mean, maybe not an original travel, travel mug. But we, but, well, we see them in, um, in Voyager at least twice that I can think of. Maybe they don't have them until the 24th century. Yeah, that's like 100 years down the road. <laughs> so every, this is great because the coffee moves as if, like, a Tyrannosaurus Rex was coming down Jurassic yeah. Park style. <laughs> but someone is... Definitely, definitely, definitely drunk. Oh, and by the way, let's let's applaud the critical thinking skills involved with, hmm, someone's invaded the ship. I should definitely look away from my open-topped beverage. Well, you don't know that they had drugs with them, I guess? I don't even know. It's, their world, I think the explanation we got was that their world got super polluted, they drank the water, and it sped them up. So they just put some polluted water into Kirk's glass. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they do. It's great, because he chugs him back and immediately starts tripping. Yeah. (laughs) Which I loved. Mm -hmm. The camera goes on a tilt, and everybody's One of the things that I did enjoy in this episode, because of the result of, like, Kirk's supposed to be going really fast and everyone mm-hmm. is moving really slow is all of the other actors having to do like yes. pause yeah. and like very slow movement in the background. I do love a good actor's exercise. <laughs> poor, poor Leonard Nimoy. There's a moment where, where Kirk walks over and tries to get someone and Spock's sitting there and he unfortunately chose to do his freeze with his hand in the middle of doing something and his hand's trembling ever so slightly. <laughs> Of course. But also, turns super good way to extend the episode. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Just, like, slow everything down. Like, gives us an extra five. So cheap. And then Kirk turns around. It's great. He doesn't say anything. No. Like, he he obviously is going down the rabbit hole. And he isn't like, hey, guys. Guys, did anyone else, uh... No. He just silently starts looking and poking around. Yeah. At this point, our hero of this episode... Dela? Dela. Ela? Delia? Delia. Delilah? Dela. Yeah, I'm not I turned hearing. on the subtitles because I didn't hear it right the first time. I also have, like, Reina at some point. I had so many names real. Never mind. Our queen. That's her yes. wannabe boyfriend. And I am going to give it fully over to Kim for a description of this. Oh my god. Her outfit. <laughs> I am not exaggerating when I say she is half-dressed. And I mean, like, the right half of her is dressed and the left is kind of naked. Like, I have a solid half-page of notes on just her outfit. Because this thing is glorious. It is a gift. A gift from uh, Andrea Weaver. This is her last episode in Aww. costuming. I feel like this was, like, a last hurrah of, like... How bananas can I make a costume? She had like a checklist, like shit. I'm gonna try and get into a costume in a Star Trek episode, and she's like, out of a costume. Kim, take it away. We start at the top with the same silver collar band that we see on the men with the flower thing, and a very nice high neck. Looks very normal. Comes down, covers her breasts nicely. She's got one very long sleeve that gets very voluminous and uh, cinches very seventies. Yeah. Um. Considering it was the 60s, it's very fashion forward. <laughs> um, that we later find out that this nice voluminous sleeve is hiding weaponry. So Amazing. it's practical as Amazing. well as beautiful. Um, but then when we go over to the boobs on the other side, the outfit just sort of stops under decency <laughs> and becomes a giant ass cutout that extends all the way down one side of her body. She has got 
like half an outfit with like a long sleeve and a pant and like a bra a pant. and it covers her stomach just covers her privates like that thing is like the highest bikini cut I think I've seen for a while <laughs> and then there's just nothing on the other side now there is a cape <laughs> that is attached from the shoulders it is very long and very gauzy the entire outfit seems to be kind of held together with the floral belt that she is wearing that seems <laughs> oh to be made God. of little plastic flowers. Yes. The cape extends all the way around her back and attaches to the naked leg <laughs> with a floral garter belt. <laughs> this outfit, Ari, you had better be planning to put a picture of this I in promise. the show notes yeah. because it is a work of goddamn art. <laughs> it was amazing. I was very impressed. And then there's like... There's another woman who appears very briefly in this episode. Poison Ivy. And she's wearing, like, a lime green version of this. <laughs> Except hers is, like, more closely cut, I assume, because she is not the queen and has to be functional. <gasps> I didn't get a good... I just saw I'm like, oh, no, that's the same outfit, but in green. <laughs> and, like, oh, my God. And it's, like, this interesting, like, purple and sort of, like, tan mottled floral pattern. It's so hard to describe. That outfit... I am amazed she stayed inside of it the entire time. There was a lot of fashion tape involved, at least on the right side. And especially around, I'm sorry, but her vaginal area. <laughs> that, I was, like, very concerned that she was going to pop out. They must have glue gunned those flowers on, because it's like her panties were made out of fake lay flowers. Yeah. There was an actual belt under the flowers. I was paying very close attention to the belt for the same reason. <laughs> It was amazing. It was. And terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) My God. She is a straight up queen. The first thing that she says, because Kirk sort of looks around and then looks back at her and he's like, he's like, who the hell are you? And she says, I am Dila. I'm the enemy. And then goes over and is like, I'm actually going to allow that noise this week because it's fairly accurate to what happened. Thank you so much. And especially since he's so visibly not into it. Like, he doesn't even close his eyes. He keeps his eyes open and is, like, darting around looking. He's, like, like very stiff. He's tense. Yeah. Yeah. He's tense. Considering that they've already kissed, like, five times, he should be way more into it. Well, also considering that on this... I feel like on this show we've seen a lot of ladies being clutched by the shoulders and and forcibly macked on, and to have that reverse and have Kirk be the one who's like... I enjoyed it. Again, she is the dominant figure in this weird quasi-relationship. Yep. She absolutely is. She's like, yeah, I would like your penis, please. (laughs) I have heard tell of your people and your affectionate penises, and I want that. (laughs) I have chosen you as the most barrel-chested man on the ship, (laughs) which is a weird, sexy feature that I'm into, and I am just going to make out on you hard until you eventually just kind of come around to seeing my way. That is basically how this conversation goes. It's amazing. I love her. He's sort of like, what do you do to my crew? Because they're all frozen. And she's like, obviously, we've sped them up. Oh, by the way, we have no idea why this works. And I have, and then, like, Force kisses him, like, three more times. I have never seen Kirk this not into kissing ladies. And I'm really enjoying it. I love her introduction. I love everything she says. She's like, she says the titular line, which is like, oh, like, 
you know, we just move really fast. We move in the wink of an eye. Wink! Because <laughs> that's the title of the episode. And is essentially like, and now that you're at our speed, we can have sex now. I don't even think that's subtext. It's no. pretty much text. She's like, yeah, and now, like, we can enjoy the physical fruits of my life. So I've stolen you from your <laughs> life to be my concubine. Get used to it. You will eventually. There's nothing you can do about it, and you can never go back. His question is, why? Yeah, Her answer is, I like you. And it's, they, it's always like this at first. They start up upset, but eventually they adjust. Eventually they get worn down by kissing. She's like, yes, yeah, so I'm their queen, and you're going to be the king, and we're going to live in a palace and have lots of babies. We hope. So, welcome. Um, back in the real slow world, Uhura notices Kirk is gone. <laughs> Not um, the most observant crew of all time. Although Spock immediately, well, in fairness, they were moving at regular speed. I think she pretty much immediately noticed he was gone. Sure. Um, Kirk also, or Spock also immediately clues in that it's the coffee because he left his coffee unattended. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Hey, don't blame the victim, Ari. <laughs> I'm not blaming the victim, but it was still very stupid. She said blaming the victim. The best part is, is that she's, like, explaining, like, this is your new situation, you're stuck, and Kirk's like, no, and tries to shoot her, and she's like, oh, honey, go ahead if that's what you need to do to feel powerful. So he tries to stun her, and she, like, moves two inches to the right, and it goes right past her, and she's like, but if you want to see something really cool, here's my phaser, and it also makes things fly through the air. Yeah. And it's in her sleeve. It's so great. Her line after that is, except what has happened, there is nothing you can do to stop it. Yeah. Which I feel like is the uh, Trump inauguration theme, but in this was also pretty cool. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you'll learn to And then he runs off and she's like, oh, they always do this. And then he runs into traitor. Oh, yeah. Straight out of Compton. Yeah. Who... Is like, well, I've turned. I'm a traitor now. You're not my captain. I just couldn't help myself. They're just so pretty. I met. A, I met. A, he met a lady. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't that always how it happens? Yeah. And I wrote down here. Kirk just beats him up. He does beat him up. And yep. worse than that, the guy playing Compton clearly hits the camera. Like he oh, gets does, pushed yeah. back. Yeah. And you see him kind of go, and then flunk. Oh no! Right up against the camera. Yeah. Um, and then. This is an interesting choreography that happens here. So Kirk, like, knocks him out of the way, runs into the life support room, gets stunned by the two guys guarding the machine, mm-hmm. and then Compton comes running in and sees that they've hurt Kirk, and, and then turns attacks. on them again? Yeah. He's the worst. Yeah, he's very fickle. But then they, like, knock him down, uh, and he drops dead. Well, he has cell damage. Yeah, he yeah. has a tiny little cut, which apparently at this point is enough to kill you. Well, when you're newly turned, ye- always because yeah. they run out of the newly turned very fast. Yeah, they don't live for long. Um, that kind of sounds like if they survive the transition for long enough, they adjust so they're not quite as sensitive because they keep talking about it in terms of now and at first. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you because I think that's why she's putting all the rest of the crew on ice is that they can go and defrost one when they need it. Yeah. Mm. Um. She is, again, my favorite, because she's like, oh, I hate it when they get damaged. <laughs> Try not to kill this one. I like him. He's pretty. He he's literally pretty. says he's, he's pretty. He's pretty. Yeah. Um, Which he is. is. The thing is, though, is when Straight Outta Compton dies, yes. 
um, the men console Poison Ivy yes. and say, don't worry, we'll get you another. Yes. <laughs> it's like when your goldfish dies. <laughs> I was going to say, their puppy ran away. We'll get you another one, sweetie. Oh, she's so yeah. great. So the guy, Dale... Rail. This whole conversation is gold. It's like, you shouldn't get attached. She says, I'll do whatever the fuck I want, thanks. It's great. He's like, they're inferior. Don't feel for inferior beings. And she is like, I will feel what I want to feel. I'm going to enjoy my duty. Yeah, she (laughs) says, do I get jealous of what you do? And he says, I do my duty. She says, so do I. And sometimes I allow myself to enjoy it. I love that line. Snap, snap. Snapped all of it. I love that line. It's like just because this is your like your responsibility does not mean you have to be miserable doing it. I also adore what happens next because Dila's like, no, it's fine. You're not a prisoner. You can do whatever you want. You want to examine the machine? Examine the machine. And Rail's like, I wouldn't touch it though. So Kirk immediately grabs it with both hands. He tries to electrocute himself. I'm curious as to why his cells are not damaged, but he is a main character, so that's it fine. Sounds like only like, like. Like abrasions, sure, whatever. I don't know. It's because, very unclear. Yeah, when we look o- over, <laughs> when we look over to uh, Compton, he is old. Oh yeah, he's like so hundred fifty years old, now. like gross old makeup. And Rail lets Kirk thinks that he think that he did it. I don't understand why this detail existed. It was it just to ramp up the tension yes. for Kirk? Yes. But I don't think it was necessary because, like, the fact that you're going to be super fast, never get to see your friends again, and forced into sexual slavery is pretty bad. <laughs> Live fast, die hard, Kim. Apparently, literally. <laughs> okay, so here's, they say, when they're trying to explain what happened to Compton, they're like, the newly accelerated are sensitive to such things, which I interpreted as, like, if they survive long enough after being sped up, they won't be quite as sensitive anymore. Nah, disagree. But Kirk gives the best eulogy ever, <laughs> which was, he was so young. <laughs> it's the nicest thing you can say about him. He did Traitor turn on you. twice over. Yeah. Also, does not follow biohazard protocols mm. and oh, is kind mm-hmm. of stupid about tasting the water. Yeah. Don't, don't drink the water. Don't drink, don't the, drink water. the water. <laughs> it's a line for everything. And Kirk storms out and Dila says, you shouldn't have let him think it was his fault. That was definitely your smack that killed the kid. <laughs> Um, we've had to deal with this all our lives. Don't make it worse. She says, these guys, or like the humans, are capable of much affection. (laughs) I wonder if they'll show me some. (laughs) She is into it. Oh, yeah. It's honestly kind of sounded like, I'm going to go live with the monkeys for a while. Maybe they'll make friends with me. (laughs) (laughs) By friends. (laughs) She means she wants to bang a monkey. Yes. Oh god. Jeez. So they let him sort of run off to sick bay and record a message. Like he's like, okay, so here's everything I've learned that you need to destroy Wait! them. We missed something. What? The like rail guy kissing the queen. Yeah. He like grabs her and makes out with her and she's kinda like, nah. No, no thank thanks. You. Yeah. Like we were friends when we were kids, but your infertile penis does nothing for me. <laughs> And she does. Like, it isn't out of, like, oh, no, my past and tradition forced me to have sex with her. She's like, no thanks. Yeah. Like, I'm much more into this, so you're going to need to back off and listen to exactly what I say because I'm yeah. a queen. <laughs> yeah. 
Sucks to be you, sir. Sucks to be you. So Kirk's run off to sickbay where Spock and Bones and Chapel are trying to, like, figure out what happened to the captain and, like, analyzing his copy. <laughs> and he, like, records a message for them. I love all of this. I love Because this. Queen Raina Dana is, like, power play from start to finish. Oh, you want to record a sweet little message to your friends? That's fine, because there's nothing they can do about it's it. It's going to literally be too late when they get it. Yep. It's too late to find Jack. Kirk sort of talks through the logic with her sort of standing there smiling and nodding when he gets something right. Like, she's patting him on the head or getting him a cookie. She also offers, like, tidbits. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he basically is like, here's everything that you need to know. Um, I'm pretty sure they're going to turn the ship into a giant freezer and put you all on ice for when they need you for breeding stock. <laughs> and she's like, by the time they hear this, it'll be too late. We'll already have put them on ice. Yeah, it's it's interesting because she they kind of get into this weird conversation about survival, which is as we know, salt monster theme yeah. forever last of the buffalo. Yeah. About survival at all costs and the cost of survival. And well she talks she sort of talks them through what happened. There was like, a volcano. They, there was volcano. <laughs> they had a natural disaster, and they drank polluted water, and then whatever mutated us to super speed. It made us sterile, so we sent out distress calls to like lure in breeding stock. And they have the whole we have a right to survive. Yes. And Kirk's like not by killing others, and she's like, well, you came into storming into that room to kill us, and he's like, but you invaded us, and your problem is in you. And she says we are not to blame. It's tradition. Yeah, it's like, we didn't cause the problem, it's not our fault. And Kirk's like, okay, but literally nothing you're doing is solving the problem. Well, it doesn't hurt. Well, not them. And I think that it's interesting, like, she hews to, this is our traditional way, and we have tried many other ways. And he's like, well, we can, we have science, like, we can try science again. lots of science. And she says, we have tried everything. Every single person who's tried to transition back has died. Also, you're a peasant, and you can't possibly know what you're talking about. Okay, so this is the point where I need to say that I disagree with our queen. Well, okay, yeah, it's Okay. I agree. No, I don't. Um, and I disagree because... Yes, things have been tried before. Yes, this is the way you do things. But, like, the way you're doing things has not actually achieved your goals. Maybe try a different way. Like, nothing that says you can't try kidnapping people and, you know, forcing them to bang you in super fast time. And let the Federation kind of do some science experiments. Like, it just seems to me, like, very short-sighted of her. And very close-minded of her to, like, not explore other possibilities in this moment. And to just dismiss it out of hand. So this is another big theme in Star Trek. Tradition, the way things, our culture do things, is the right way for us. Versus outside influences saying, but there is another way. Except that she talks up what victims they are and how they have no choice but to do it this way. They're the last of the buffalo. There's five of them. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's just, too late. She doesn't talk about it like it's a glorious, wonderful thing that we've just we've managed to work our way out of adversary by taking on this wonderful tradition. She talks about it like they're suffering. In fact, she talk they talk about it amongst themselves as though they're suffering. That this is unpleasant for them. Well, and then someone not offers her. Yeah, well, yeah, and but, but like, but they honestly, in their heart of hearts, don't believe that it will work because everyone who has gone back and tried to do it has died, and they were advanced civilization. Despite 
despite their choice in fountain wear. Um, <laughs> and apparently clothing wear. Um, nothing has worked. So they just cannot, they have no hope left. That they're just running on what it, what their culture has always done in this situation. Okay, normally I'm on the other side of this debate. You are, I'm normally so like, for me. Um, like, yeah. Let like them Suicide ha- Planet? Yeah, Suicide Planet. If this is the way they want to run their culture and this is working for them, let them do it. No. But I think that these people are in such a drastic situation in that there are only five of them left. There are yeah. five buffalo remaining. They do actually have the opportunity to salvage their race. Potentially, or at least... But they know that this is going to work. They... It's they know that tradition. Well, they don't think that there is a solution to that problem. So and what's the point? So I think that by them just giving up on other solutions, I don't know. I just find it very close-minded, and I find it very um, like anti-survival. It also to not take every like. Have they encountered anybody from like? I mean, I don't think we actually know this. I don't think they go into it. But like, have they encountered anybody from the Federation before? Does the Federation maybe have new technology? Well, the Federation like, didn't know there's anyone on this planet. Yeah, and I mean, especially because the thing that always gets me is that like Bones is able to mix up a solution in like, again, five, in, like five minutes that yeah. slows people down. Yeah, like maybe so, they like, aren't potentially really as as they think they are. Potentially, their their salvation is like on this ship. But they don't give anybody the opportunity to try, even continuing to install the air conditioner while they're doing it. I get it because there are five of them, but and like, if they if they had time or more of them um, to explore other options, I feel like again it would have made sense for them to do that. But there are five of them. Okay, but on the other hand, there are five of them. What the fuck's the point? They're going to die because out very soon. When there are no matter what they do. No, when no, because when they get pregnant from this guy's sperm, they will be able to continue for at least one more generation. And so that's they it. they're in total crisis. So they have to do what they know works. Even if both of the women, there are only two women by the way, two women and three men. Maybe they have litters, we don't know. Even if both of these women <laughs> has a bunch of kids, those kids will not be able to reproduce with one another. So they send them a distress like, call. They would need like 10,000 babies from all different parents and none of them would be able to reproduce Maybe with each other. litters. We, we don't know like how, how old these people are, how long they've been doing this, but I get why they feel like they're boxed into a corner. Well, There's unless a- they're actually mentally ill from the isolation, this makes no sense as a plan. If there were a thousand of them, maybe, but five? There's a Next Generation episode that now that we're talking about this, I'm remembering there's a Next Generation Close. episode like this where there is a planet that has been like cloaked behind a shield mm. and the Enterprise comes by and so they uncloak long enough to kidnap a whole bunch of children and then cloak themselves up again, mm-hmm. including Wesley Crusher. Oh, yeah. Mistake. And so, and then, so like the society is like, well, we can't have babies anymore. So we need your children to perpetuate and we're, it's okay. We're going to raise them and we'll teach them art and we'll teach them science and it'll all be really good. And then when the Enterprise shows up and it's like, uh, can we have our goddamn kids back, please? Like we actually care about these things. When, people are allowed to go in and, like, actually look at the situation. They're like, oh, your invisibility shield is causing the infertility. So you just need to lower that, and everybody will be fine. <laughs> but, I mean, imagine that that was not the case. Are they, are if... they justified in trying to continue their culture at the expense of others? Not when there's only five of them, no. <gasps> this is the needs of the many, needs of the few situation. This is a salt monster situation. There are five people, and there is no way, doing using the methods that they are currently using, that they are going to save their race or even perpetuate it for even more than one generation. 
We don't it know is how many a babies doomed... they have. I know how babies work. No, not how many. They yeah, could but... have like eight at a time. Yeah, but that's not that's not a diverse enough gene pool for a civilization. Well, None they're of those constantly kids. mating out. Well, here's here's the question I had though though if they're constantly doing this every once in a while, where are their children? I don't because there's only five of them. There's only five. They don't of them have left. any children. Mm. Like, have both these women just now reached sexual maturity and are able, this is their first opportunity to have babies? It could be. Or can they only have one baby each and they're just basically doing this to hopefully they have two more girls? Like... But then what's the point? Their survival. Five people to survive just so that they can perpetuate themselves in more suffering and isolation for no reason at all? Doesn't seem like a lot of suffering. I mean, they don't need any birth control on their planet. Five people. (laughs) (laughs) It's pointless. And destructive, and it bugs me. Uh, anyway, it makes no so sense. mean. But my point here is, I wish that they had been more open to exploring other options. Well, in the next gen episode, they won't accept help or even suggestions either, because the very first thing that Picard and Crusher are like, "Oh, we have lots of ways of treating infertility. Let us have a look." And they're like, "No, we won't." They won't even let them scan them. Crusher has to like sneak in the scanner and do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People on that planet were so sure the Federation was like so far beneath them they couldn't possibly help. They Same wouldn't thing even with let them these look. guys. They think that oh, ours was such the greatest planet. There's nothing you can do because. But they're wrong too. And that for me, and that's their for me, that's their fatal flaw is that they're not constantly open to new ideas. Mm. Yeah, because otherwise... A new... Any possibility of, like... I mean, for all they know, they could... Whatever their advanced civilization is, they probably haven't progressed technologically in the last however many years it is since they've been super sped up and, like, desperately trying to just bang everything that moves. Um, So, like, them not being open to what could potentially be new technology Mm -hmm. from cultures they've never heard of or even, like... Apparently, according to Bones, folk medicine that's just kind of like hanging around that you can whip up in a styrofoam cup. You can whip up a lot. Anyways. Um, (laughs) Thus begins the sabotage and seduction strategy. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Sabotage and seduction. First, he fiddles with the transporter. First, he puts the message somewhere Spock and Bones will definitely see it. Puts it in the computer. In the computer. Like, in front of them. They just, like, literally need to... Can't possibly Then, he goes to fiddle with the transporter, and then he goes to fiddle with the queen. Oh, man. I think you could argue the queen is fiddling with him. It's mutual fiddling. Um, this is so great. <laughs> Why did you run to the transport? Oh, by the way, before he runs off, we go back to, like, regular time. Like, oh, yeah, Spock and Bones have totally found a cure already. <laughs> it's pretty easy. Yeah. Oh, I, why did you run off the transporter? Oh, I, I panicked. I didn't want to get frozen. <laughs> Very convincing. Super convincing. She has some awesome, awesome seduction lines. This room is austere and efficient oh, and yes. handsome, just like you. <laughs> did she actually say handsome? Yes. <laughs> yes, she did. Um, he, and she's like, oh, like, look at your, like, mirror and facial brush. area. His weird anti, what the heck is it's that? hairbrush. Is it? Yeah. No, it was, it didn't no, have a handle on it. Yeah, it's a hairbrush. It's like the handleless one that you use for, like, 50s and 60s when men sort of comb their hair back. I really like that she asks, can I freshen up? And then just, like. Kind of combs her hair a little bit. She like says, the end of her I hair. almost look windswept. Which I really liked as a detail for people who go really, really fast is that they don't like to look yeah. like they've been moving. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so she combs, like, the very end of one lock of hair for, like, a second and a half. She's like, there, am I more presentable now? <laughs> 
looks totally indistinguishable, but I, I'm glad she feels better about herself. He tries to seduce her phaser. <laughs> she is like, mm. and he's like, too crude. And she's like, well, here's the deal, honey bunches of oats. All I have to do is scratch you and then you're dead. So how about you just tamp that down a little bit? She also says, I would have been disappointed if you hadn't tried. She knows she's being played and oh, yeah. she loves it. Yeah loves it. Which, like, this sort of leads me to believe that she has been kidnapping men for oh, yeah. a while. And, she's like, so she's good done at it. it. I had this, but has she not gotten pregnant? She's not had a baby. Has well, it not it, actually worked? I gather it doesn't work every time, right? I mean, it doesn't in the real world, and they seem to have fertility problems, so they probably have to try a bunch of times. So here's a really inappropriate and funny thought I had when she's having this conversation with him, where she's like, I wouldn't try it again, you're far too vulnerable to skin damage. But she's like... I'm willing to wait until you're, like, less vulnerable. And all I could think was that when you are growing tomato plants from seed, you have to go through this process called hardening off. <sighs> no. <laughs> My second favorite part of this episode is that Spock is going over the recording of previous events from the master tape of this episode. <laughs> yep. Where were these cameras? He just walked into the editing room and was like, can I borrow that footage? Every time, I need the dailies. Every time they do this, I want to sort of go back and be like, so the only thing that makes any sense about this footage existing is that there's like a tiny drone with a camera following around in away missions. Well, because I mean, we've seen this inexplicable recordings of everything yes. that happens before. Yes. It, it's the only thing that makes sense. It's like, it's a drone we never see that's just a silent, tiny drone that follows them around. But it's the POV shots of the actual episode, which makes it worse somehow. <laughs> it's very weird. Like, if it was from some lapel, someone's, like, lapel camera, I'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 fine. But it's it is the actual master shot. Yeah, it's just you the footage have, like, they filmed. put the yes. camera down a foot or so, like, put it on a box or something. <laughs> I think you're right, though, Corinne. This episode feels very cost effective yes, like yeah. like there was no extra shots taken no, definitely like, no not. extra takes like yeah. <laughs> this was like a it feels like a very bare budget episode it, but it, it also feels very much like filler because he slows down the distress calls speeds it up until it sounds like the buzzing insect noises and it like it feels like filler but it also makes sense for spock to be like re re trying to repeat results in a very scientific way mm -hmm. it's like everybody already knows exactly what's happening but spock needs to be able to prove it in a lab so, here comes my third part of the episode. <laughs> Real Madrid of the sexy collarbones tries calling up the queen to be like, hey, 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 what you doing? What? How? Answer me. And we go back to his bedroom where he was putting on his boots. Kurt. And I have, in all caps, did they actually just have sex? Yes. Oh, yes for sure. And they did. Do you know? Okay. Kirk is like... Like, they're both fully dressed at this yeah, point. But yes. Kirk is sitting on the edge of the bed yes. and pulling on his yes. boots. And she is brushing yes. the hair that she just brushed. So, here's what I thought when he's pulling on his boots, is that the analog here is, like, the woman in this scenario pulling her stockings back on. Yeah. It was very, like, he... Again, all of this episode is really good, interesting gender reversal, where... Yeah. He's the one sitting on the bed looking slightly bashful, and she's just, like, doing her hair like it's no big she, thing. It was basically the equivalent of, like, the guy standing in front of the mirror adjusting yes. his tie. Yes. His cufflinks back. Yes. 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 great. So great. So great. But her Real Madrid boyfriend shows up oh, yeah. and is like, ah! And he tries to attack Kirk. Kirk, 
Oh, God. Kirk fights back with a pillow. Yes! Okay, because he knows that if he actually hits him, he'll die. Yeah. Best part about that is that when Real Madrid picks up a chair and hits the pillow, there is so much dust on that <laughs> pillow that a visible plume I of dust that. comes off. So did I. <laughs> I just really like that then when Kirk loses his pillow, he runs and grabs a chair and stands behind it like a lion tamer. It's yeah. amazing. Because he's trying to avoid being in a fight. And uh, Dila is like, okay, fucking stop it. Because before this, I was like, haven't they been doing things this way for long enough for it to be a cultural norm? But apparently the answer is yes, because Dila is pissed. How dare you? And he turns around and he's like, well, then don't torment me. You know how I feel. And she's like... I really don't fucking care how you feel. She has the line here that I absolutely loved. She says, allow me the dignity of liking the man I select. Mm-hmm. She's amazing. I love that. Cause she's like, I have to have sex with someone that is not you in order to get pregnant because you cannot do that. Let me pick someone that I can at least have fun with. What I do is necessary and you have no right to question it. And again... Which again, it's like, yeah, this yeah. is a matriarchy. Definitely. It, it is. And it's great because I don't think that she could respect Real Madrid because of his goddamn shoes. <laughs> what are Did his you shoes? see them? They're the made shoes. of the same fabric of his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> They're awful. Oh, man. And yeah, she's like, like, we have a history, but that is over now. Yeah, she sends him scurrying off to fix the transporter. At which point, Kirk starts getting all swoony-eyed, and I have a question <laughs> that I was asking to myself, like, does he have vagina amnesia? <laughs> <laughs> like, am- is that how that works? Uh, um, the bit that we've missed that we kind of skipped over a little bit is that Bones finds the tape takes it to the bridge, and he and Spock listen to it and learn all the information they need to know, and they're finally caught up as to what's going on in this episode. So glad. Everyone's so competent. Where I realized that um, they actually do have a slight disadvantage, those fast people, because they're so so far ahead of what the slow people are planning, so they actually can't follow what they're doing once they've been sped up. At least we never see them, like, recording their slow talk and then speeding it up. Yeah, but you would have enough time to, like, kick them in the shins. I'm surprised that no one, like, punched Scotty in the stomach when he was going towards the transporter room, because I wanted to. Well, he spends oh, the whole rest of the episode standing directly in the middle of the door, like, right in their way. Yeah, yeah, yeah so true. Um, so Kirk has vagina amnesia. Oh, yes. Amnesia vaginas. I hope I behave correctly. Yeah, he turns into a drone, and she's like, oh, shame. You've adjusted. I gives a very weird blank smile. Yeah, it was creepy. It was creepy, but great. So they obviously discovered a drug, and it took like five minutes yep. or less. Spock drugs himself because he is essentially the Enterprise's lab rat. He drinks the water, basically. He's yes, he does. incredibly reckless. He does, he does, he does. It's great. So, again, he starts tripping immediately. Is like, huh, rad. <laughs> Apparently the transporter, this is a great exchange between Real Madrid and the Queen, where he's like, she's like, oh, is the transporter fixed? Like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, I didn't want to interrupt you. Sulk, sulk, sulk. You're banging that. Um, Kirk, like, sashays up to her and then steals the weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was playing her! Yeah. I also remember, I wrote a note down, it's like, I don't understand how the transporters would work on the sped up people because I feel like the acceleration would mess them up. And then I was like, I'm pretty sure little things like air would have problems with the acceleration. Like wind burn everywhere all the time. 
I think that you've thought way too much about this. Well, no, because it made me think of the episode, the the little ship episode on DS9, where they get shrunk down in the runabout, and they have to, like, beam tiny air into the space that they go in, or they suffocate. I remember thinking that episode was stupid, so I don't remember the details. Fair enough. I was impressed they thought about the air. Wrapping things up, Spock and Kirk destroy the air conditioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like that when they met, each, like they, yeah. they ran into each other in the halls, and they realized Spock is fast. Yeah. They don't even say anything. They're just like, let's destroy shit. Hey. And they do. Hey. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Queen Dana is like, I knew you'd never adjust, and gives a nice thing about God damn it, survival, 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 survival. You're going to tell all of your friends never to come here again, and I am never going to get laid ever again. This is an interesting conversation because she's like, what are you going to do with us now? And he says, well, what would you like us to do with you? (laughs) And, well, because Kirk doesn't yet know that they have a cure. He knows. No, no one's told him. So here is the deal. When she's talking about, oh, like, we can never decelerate, we're doomed. Kirk looks at Spock like, you've got something in the bag, right? Like, you've got this figured out. And Spock does a, hmm? Like, a little nod. I did not see that. Oh, oh I missed that. Does. Oh, that's and cool. And then he goes back to her and says, like, here are your options, la da da Okay, in that case, that's monstrous. On their part, yes. Because that was my last question. It's like, like... I mean, they actually, she's like, don't, don't screw with me. I know what you're going to do. You're going to send us, if you send us back, you'll never be able to, we'll never be able to do this again because you'll tell the Federation, you'll quarantine the planet, you'll warn everyone. And rightfully so. Yeah. Which really, I feel like they could have been doing on other planets, but I'm not convinced that they have been. Like, I mean, there has to be, though, some suicidal nymphomaniacs who would be interested in going there. Right? Yeah. And, like, not telling them, if Kirk does, because at this point, I, I was been like, they haven't had the conversation yet, Kirk doesn't really know the details, but if they have had, like, silent eyebrow conversations, then Kirk does know, and he sends them back down anyway? Here's the thing. Yeah, so she says, after all that, like, you're just going to send us essentially to our deaths, yeah, or the death of our culture. She tries one last time to be like, don't you think I'm pretty? And Spock and Kirk, I have her right here, telepathy. <laughs> and and he's and Kirk's like, well, I would love to stay, but I also love life, and so back to your planet, lady. And she's like, well, what's the point? You're gonna die here anyway because you can't get back to your own speed. Well, that is a real problem for like, me at the end of this episode. He has four or mm-hmm. five opportunities, like straight yeah. up openings, to be like, oh, actually, like, I'm pretty sure our ship's doctor solved this in about five and a half minutes. Yeah, especially from Spock, who is yes. generally quite a compassionate person and ethical. And yes, if for him to be not like, actually, we have a solution to this problem. I have the cure here. Want to try? No, because they send them back down to the planet, and then Kirk is like, yeah, you got this figured out, right? And he's like, oh, yeah. And then they drink. The, yeah. the good swamp water yeah. and he goes back to normal speed and Spock fixes the whole ship and it's great but then then they fly away yeah, yeah. I don't understand that at I all I have a huge problem with this like why didn't you then like mix up some of this anti-swamp and like beam it down and then send them a message being like when you figure this out drink that and you might slow down like you definitely can't use your other completely insane method of holding on anymore. Not anymore. You won't be able to kidnap passing space people anymore. So you're definitely just going to die out in about, I guess, about an hour since you live so fast. I, 
like at this point, I think if they were presented with a solution, it's like, well, we literally have no other choice. They would try it, even if there was a chance they would die trying to get back to this low level. But they choose not to. They choose not to tell them. Yes. Yeah. That evil. is murder. Yeah. It is. It's, it's com- genocide. It's completely unethical. It's, it's straight so up. so against... Explicit genocide. Everything that we think the Federation stands for. I don't understand it at all. Like, I'm, I'm, I want to be like, so this was just like someone didn't think about this in the last script review, but it's also really evil in context. Like, it's punishing. Mm-hmm. It's punishing for it's what It's capital punishment. It's capital it's, genocide. It feels like a punishment for them not taking Kirk up on his offer to help when he offered initially. It's a moral judgment. Yeah. Which makes no sense in Star I mean, Trek. like, these people should not be kidnapping people, like, no. passing ships and forcing them to, like, have sex with but them. But that doesn't yes. empower the Captain Kirk and Commander Spock to decide that they should just die out. Yeah. Because this is very different from, like, you are actively trying to kill me, so I'm going to kill you. This is, you are no longer a threat to me, I'm just gonna let you die. Yeah. yeah. That's, and, and so they do. This makes no sense, and it's kind of evil. I, I assume that they had meant to, at some point, put in, oh yeah, and then we beamed that down to them or took them to another planet, because there's only five of them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Five is not a big number. Like, giving the vaccine or the cure to five people is not going to break the bank. Well, you'd have to no. take them off the planet. Yeah. Because their water is yeah, they'd have garbage water. But I mean, like, the Federation could solve their fastness problem, <laughs> send a team to help with, like environmental cleanup and fixing mm. the water, send some people to help them capture and, like, sort of revitalize cultural stuff, and find some people who are willing to, like, be like, hey, they we'll can give probably... this a thing. We'll give this culture yeah. a try. They could probably fix the water. They could probably fix the environment. They could, yeah, volunteers. I don't under... It makes no sense at all. It's very cold. Yeah, it is. It's, um, not the ending that I would have expected from Star Trek. No, it came out of fucking nowhere. Especially after Kirk offered to help them. Yeah, but that was before he had sex with her. Yeah. Once he had sex with her, he doesn't need to stick around for anything. He's already tasted it that. It makes no <laughs> sense. It's bizarre. Why buy the cow when you cut the, the milk mill for free? <laughs> Except in this scenario, he's the cow. He is the cow. <laughs> and she kind of got what she wanted. I mean, like, temporarily. I assume that they're going to be sending someone back. Like, we have to assume that yeah, they'll they be live. sending someone back to... Help these but people. if they live super fast, they'll probably be dead by the time they don't live gets fast, there. die hard. I think they just. I I I don't think it'll be like an hour. They I think. live fast, die forever. I don't know. She says their lives are brief so many times. Yeah, but I think she was thinking like symbolically. Mm. I don't know. Mm. All right. Uh, so count of the episode, Kim. Deaths one straight out of Compton. <laughs> <laughs> but he kind of deserved it. Yeah, traitor twice over. Yeah, like pick a side. Yeah, pick a side. Pick a side. Um, Ari, your count. Uh, five ladies, three people of color. Uh, performance of the episode, I I think, like, we're all going to give it to the same person. Yeah. The actress uh, who played our queen. Yes, Kathy Brown. Ooh. Yeah. Who killed it. Oh, yeah. Totally. She was great. Yep. Yeah. So powerful, so assured, so confident. But she also gave her a sense of humor and, like, yes. a playfulness. Yeah. Yes. And she was not... She wasn't just like, this is, I'm stone cold and this is my duty. She was no. like, this is my duty and I'm going to have fun while I'm yeah, doing it. Yeah, she had this, 
this very vital personality. She had a, a flexible and interesting mind that we actually got to see displayed. I think that she is one of the strongest female characters in original series. Yeah, we're getting so, yeah. a lot of them, like, right at the end here. Which is surprising, because everyone thinks the third season is the worst season, but I feel like even stronger, like, the, the Romulan lady commander, they were seen as somewhat less capable than the men. Like, there was that hint of, oh, you're just emotional, so you're it, compromised. Certainly by mm -hmm. the humans. Yeah, you'll you'll never be as assured in your command as a man would be. Yeah, yeah. but this season we've had Dila, we've had, I can't remember, the High Priestess Lady. Yeah. Oh, from a couple episodes ago? Yeah. 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 But I feel like she kicks it out of the park because at no point are her emotions really clouding her judgment in a way that feels like she's weak. No. Yeah. I yeah. the part where she's like, "Oh, Kirk, you finally succumbed to my vagina charms." Yeah, and he's like, "Well, that's too bad." Like but she that's gets fine. she gets out she gets out maneuvered, but it's on equal terms. I if anything, she, like most of the time in this episode, the power balance is swayed heavily in her favor. She wins. Yeah, for most of this, yeah. she wins, and it's only at the very last moment where she kind of gets a little bit tricked by Kirk and. Mm -hmm. Fine, and I actually give that to her because Compton turned, like, on a dime. Yeah. On a and dime! she's done this yeah. before, she's probably used to it eventually working. Like, she's very sure that eventually it will work. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't feel like the episode was like, silly lady, you no, should have seen either. through that. I feel like it was very much just like, oh. And it wasn't like, um, I've forgotten the character's name, but Diana, the last time we saw Diana Maldar when she was playing the blind telepath. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It didn't feel like she was, like... She wasn't always on the edge of anger over her yes. situation nope. and, yes. and like, was so concerned about her failings. Yeah. No, she was totally reconciled to everything that she was doing. And, again, speaking about the feelings, I feel like that has been uh, a through with all of the women characters, as mm -hmm. they're constantly undermined by their feelings, or yeah. their feelings are too powerful that they override their logic, is that at every turn, she is pointing the finger at Real Madrid and saying, I'm going to feel how I'm going to feel and you're going to be okay with that because mm -hmm. it is my right to feel how I want to. Yeah. yeah. Which is incredibly powerful for this show. Yeah. She is unapologetic about the fact that she's, he's pretty. Yeah. And I would like to have sex with him and then I'm going to and I'm going to like it. So pipe it down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't get to be jealous. I'm done with you. Yeah. I have made my intentions perfectly clear. And even more almost for me at least, is the fact, is the way that she delivers those, those takedowns. It's very much that this is a culture she was raised in. This isn't like something unique about her that she's like unusually forthright and upstanding and, you know, not impressed by anything that the men say. It's that everything that she has ever learned from everyone around her is that she has the right to feel this way and she doesn't have to explain herself to anyone. Yeah. Um, Which makes it kind of sad that they're all going to die out now because they've decided to <laughs> not give them the cure. <laughs> She reminds me a little bit of Deanna Troy in this way, in that with Deanna Troy, she is very free about, like, I like you, let's have sex. She's very free about, like, my job is dealing with the emotional stuff, so you know what? I'm going to get emotional at times. And that is, while we've been talking about this, that's what been I've been thinking about over and over again, is she's very much like Deanna Troy in that way, mm -hmm. in that she's this very strong, capable person who has emotions, who isn't afraid of her emotions, and takes command of them, and is very much in control of herself, and won't let the reactions of the people around her um, undermine her sense of purpose and sense of being. And that is one of the things that I admire 
so much about the character of Deanna Troy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, every time I watch Next Gen, like, I remember as a kid always being a little bit annoyed with Deanna. Oh, I'm never annoyed with, <laughs> well, with Deanna. just because, you know, that's what the culture was, and we like, but every time I watch it now, I like her more, and I respect her more, because it's like, oh, oh, I get it now. <laughs> Especially for me, because Deanna Troy, I mean, this is, now we're just feeling wildly <laughs> off topic, but that's okay. But Deanna Troy, like, her character is about the emotion, and yes. she is in a military organization, and yet she sits on the bridge with the two top commanders, and her contributions are not only valued, but they are sought out. Like, the the two military commanders of this turn to her and say, please explain to me the emotional aspect of this situation so I can better be in command of it. And for me, that was, like, that's amazing. And I always love that about how her character is treated on the show. It's also as, like, as an indicator of, like, the emotional, like, cultural shift Mm -hmm. between original series and next gen, it's like, well, what does the culture expect from this situation from everyone on this ship? And Deanna was sort of representative of it being sort of a, a more nurturing environment. It's all, no, it's, it's that emotions aren't a liability. Yeah. Yes. Is that your ability to understand those emotions and how they work is an intelligence that is on par and equal with tactical intelligence, with logic, Mm -hmm. with decision making. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the importance of, of, of Troy. And and the importance of uh, the queen in this episode is that her feelings don't make her less. No. Whereas no. constantly throughout this show, anytime a woman, because they always have her having those emotions, yeah. that is where they fall on their face and are shown up by the men who are logic driven. Yeah. And that's, and then, I mean, sort of, sort of the same way, this is the same thing between, between the, our, our queen and Deanna Troy, is that they're both in situations where they are working with men and I'm assuming she's been banging Real Madrid at some oh, point in the course. past. They are both in situations where they are working with men with who they have had a romantic relationship in the past. Because mm-hmm. Deanna Troy has Riker, mm-hmm. who's basically her soulmate. And they're yes. like, they're like, we love each other. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time. And she never lets jealousy get in the way. And she establishes like a very firm working relationship with him where they're like mutually, like they have a lot of affection for each other and they can tease each other, but there are boundaries there. Mm-hmm. And she don't think she would let him step over and like Riker doesn't get to be jealous of the men that she sleeps with. Mm-hmm. Well, Riker's not. I mean, yeah. he is, but he doesn't dare act like he is. And in this case, when Rael does, she shuts him down immediately. Yeah. Which yeah. is great. Yeah, and that's, I love that. And that's why I, I think she's so much like a precursor to Deanna Troy. Mm-hmm. And I love her. I love her so much. <laughs> she was great. Yeah. She made this episode, um, again, one of my favorites. Yeah. It has the speedy up time thing, which I always love. Yeah. Or like people being out of phase from everyone else. Yep. Um, crew being super confident and figuring things out yeah, within the first five did minutes. good jobs yeah. this time, except for Compton. Everyone yeah. was like, Oh, is that a mosquito? No, it's an alien that we beamed on board and they're trying to take over the ship. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, okay, and let's, let's do something about that. And again, a female character that I could actually feel confident and not have to debate about the fact <laughs> yeah. that she is a great, strong woman character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Without being a strong female character, TM. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. We didn't get to life lessons. Yeah, don't, I, was, don't, okay. I was going into okay, that. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you not see me, like, wrapping up that conversation and, like... I was just afraid you were going to end it. Like, I'm like, no, we need life lessons. Nicely into life lessons part? God, get me 
some credit. I'm sorry. Kim, life lesson from this episode. Be open to new ideas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and new penises. <laughs> uh, no! Ari. Uh, God, don't let anybody tell you how to feel. Also good. Mine is uh, don't drink the water. <laughs> <laughs> also good real life lesson. <laughs>